0: Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during The Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash The Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Amanda. And we are the Wilsons. We've been married for over a year and started the show when we were still engaged.
0: Kev is reading through the series for the first time.
1: And Amanda is a longtime Potterhead.
0: Each week, we read a chapter or two and discuss our exploration of the series.
1: Every episode features a marriage lesson from each of us based on what we've read.
0: And Kev makes a prediction about what is to come. This
1: podcast is about Harry Potter, love, marriage, friendship, and the power of kindness.
0: If you are listening for the first time, welcome. In the second half of the show, We'll let you know how you can keep in touch with us and your fellow listeners.
1: We'll also let you know how you can support the show through Patreon and contribute content yourselves.
0: Warning, there's always a risk of adult language and poorly crafted jokes in each episode. Welcome to, to the, the Fox, Fox and the Fox, Fox Sound. Sound.
1: This land is your land. This land is my land. From
0: Hogwarts
1: Castle to Little Hangtown, beautiful. July fifth, recording.
0: July fifth, the day before this goes live. Nothing like running it down to the wire. Right. Just classic us. I have an announcement for the top of the show.
1: Mmm, juicy. Spill the tea.
0: Yes, congratulations are in order to Senia. Who just graduated, get this, with her master's in molecular biology. Okay. She's smart as shit. Yeah. I don't even know what molecular biology, like, really is. You know what those two words mean, though, so Exa- right. can figure it out. I mean, I know what they mean separately. I feel like I have a very general understanding of what it might be, but she's got an advanced degree in that shit.
1: It means that she speaks another language. Yeah. She speaks a scientific language.
0: Yes. So congratulations.
1: Congratulations. Huge deal. That is really, really tough.
0: We're so proud of you. Not that you like need our approval, but we're still proud of you. So we're
1: going to give it to you anyway. We're going to give it to you anyway. You're our daughter and we love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in a while, we're doing two chapters today. For the first time Time in in forever, forever. there won't be one chapter but two. You're so good at adapting lyrics. That's what I do. (laughs) You're just like sitting over there looking at me with this very demure smile. I have this like
1: weird book jacket pose I'm in right now, but I'm really sweaty from being in the garden. (laughs) So it's a little, it's a sticky situation.
0: (laughs) It's like you're taking the photo for the book you just wrote, but like... You just witnessed like a mob murder right before you got to the studio where they're going to take your picture. And so you're like, OK, OK, let's do this. Let's take the picture. It's been a day. <laughs> it's OK. You'll, your body will
1: acclimate. Well, I pulled my turnips. OK. OK. Because I just wanted them for the greens. I didn't really want the little bulbous root thing. hmm. But I let the greens go too long and they got prickly and stiff and hardened.
0: Which said. I could
1: have kept watering them and let them go. And then I could have gotten the tuber part probably in the fall. Mm-hmm. But I have these really killer watermelons that I got from killer a work associate from the Caribbean. And they're taken off. So I want to transplant them to my turnip mounds. And so, you know, you got to make sacrifices in the gardening world.
0: When you say that they're killer, I'm inevitably reminded of, do you remember Attack of the Killer Tomatoes?
1: yes. Speaking of, I have one cucumber growing right now. Okay, and it's round. Excuse me, and it's round. Excuse it me, it is as round as a pool ball.
0: <laughs> it is round. Kevin's got round cucumbers. Wow, wow, wow! wow.
1: <laughs> the species from the seeds that I planted it was called Carolina Chode.
0: <laughs> say things like that to me. I will never recover. And it just highlights to anyone listening how low brow my sense of humor is. I
1: know. I killed you the other day by just singing, turn on your fart
0: light. (laughs) It's still funny. (laughs) I can't. I can't. Weren't we in the car? I don't remember. Oh, my stomach hurts already. So So what are we doing today? We're covering two chapters. We're covering chapter 19, Elf Tales. (laughs) Awoo! I could not get that out of my head. (laughs) The danger lurks behind you. Voldemort out to find you. (laughs) And chapter 20, Lord Voldemort's Request. Good chapters. Very good chapters. Yeah, really good. I'm reading first. So all in all, not one of Ron's better birthdays, said Fred. It was evening. The hospital wing was quiet. The windows curtained. The lamps lit. Ron's was the only occupied bed. Harry, Hermione, and Ginny were sitting around him. They had spent all day waiting outside the double doors, trying to see inside whenever somebody went in or out. Madame Pomfrey had only let them enter at eight o'clock. Fred and George had arrived at 10 past.
1: Oh, he definitely wanted the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, said Dumbledore. The aftermath of our little meeting proved that. You see, we have never been able to keep a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher for longer than a year since I refused the post to Lord Voldemort.
0: Little, uh, little bomb drop right there at the end of that chapter. A little, uh, unanswered question answered at the end of that chapter. Why do you
1: think Dumbledore refers to Voldemort as Lord Voldemort? The same respectful name that his followers give to him.
0: I almost see it as a mocking in Dumbledore's way.
1: Lord Voldemort.
0: Right. I feel like he's... And I say that because of the way he treats his name in that second memory that we'll talk about. Yeah. So let's...
1: Let's say that. Let's
0: circle back to that. Let's
1: dog ear that. Let's table it. Yeah. And let's, yeah. So maybe we can spitball. We can circle up and spitball later on that. We
0: can really drill yeah. down it, hard. Yeah,
1: drill down hard, see what sticks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but let's, <laughs> let's back up to Elf Tales. Oh woo-woo. So Ron is in the
1: hospital. Yeah. And first of all, I want to say a weird difference between UK speech and American speech. Okay. We say someone is in college. My right. daughter is in college yeah. at so-and-so university. We do not say someone is in hospital. Right. right. That sounds completely foreign to me. Yeah. We say they are in the hospital. Right. We also don't say someone is at university. Right. Like, we'll say someone's in college, but we won't say, oh, they're in university or at university. We'd say... The university. Right. Or a university.
0: If someone said – it kind of comes back to that thing where, like, if an American English speaker said, that, oh, well, our kid is at university, you'd be like, Ugh, what a pretentious D-bag.
1: Right, but I've started to hear more Americans say – oh like, sure in university
0: right but it's it's eye roll not because the term itself is pretentious it's just pretentious for Americans to just suddenly speak this way yeah like f you cuz everybody in
1: america <laughs> wants to sound british because it's a better more appropriate way of speaking english
0: absolutely although there has been a bit of a, a an argument and discord today between the warden and michael about you know it happens every year july 4th the us versus the uk and about who has the proper way of speaking Ba-da-da-da-da. yes exactly <laughs> so
1: so ron's in the hospital he's he recovering is. from drinking booze with slughorn
0: right when we left off we didn't even know if he was alive on the floor of slughorn's office so this is yeah. kind of a relief the twins are there
1: fred and jorge
0: fred and jorge You know, still cracking jokes, but like way more somber than we usually see them. Yeah, You know?
1: They're worried about their brother. They're
0: worried about their brother. And I think it's so sweet that they were in Hogsmeade. They were going to surprise him on his birthday. I know. I can't. They also were thinking about buying Zonko's.
1: Yeah, but because of the pandemic, they couldn't (laughs) open up the shop. (laughs) The pandemic. Yep, that's why. So the Weasley parents have stopped by. Mm -hmm. Hermione's really quiet.
0: Yeah, her reaction.
1: Oh, my God. She loves the man.
0: She does. She's clench-jawed and frightened looking. And she really hasn't said much of anything. She's just kind of like there next to his bedside. And I mean, I have to imagine that at this point, Hermione's like, I have been treating him so badly. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. But you know how you do whenever anyone is sick or if they die, you go, oh, my God, like. Was I a good friend to them? Was I a good person to them? Or, oh my God, the last time I talked to them, we were in a fight. Or, such a hard mental place to be.
1: Yeah. So there's this speculation going on. Did Slug poison Ron? Right. Was Slug underneath the Imperius curse? Right. And he poisoned Ron? Did Voldemort slip poison into Slughorn's office to poison Slughorn? Wasn't meant for Dumbledore since Slughorn said, oh, I was saving this mead for Dumbledore.
0: Right. And the the very good point is made, okay, but why? Why would Slughorn want to poison Ron? Why would Slughorn want to poison Harry? Like, you have to have motive. Yeah. And there's no motive. I think it was a mistake. Or, like, the Bizor interacted with the mead
1: or something, you know?
0: Well, the Bizor was after. You know, I mean, that was what saved Ron. Yeah. But it's. Yeah, I mean it's all a big question mark at this point. But it sounds like you don't think there was anything nefarious going on on Slughorn's part, no. at least.
1: No, I really don't.
0: Hermione brings up the good point of like, or maybe Slughorn himself is just a victim in all this because maybe that poison was intended for him. I mean, I feel like
1: Slughorn's kind of an easy patsy. Yeah, for Voldemort, yeah, anyways. he kind of
0: is, and. I mean, someone would have more motive to hurt Slughorn. This is kind of Harry's point. Like, the Death Eaters have been after him for a while. He's been refusing to join on their side. You know, they kind of have motive. It's not really like, the Death Eaters don't whack people, though. Like, just because you've displeased me, I'm going to whack you. They're a little more strategic than that.
1: And I also think it wouldn't be, well, let's poison Slughorn's mead and he'll give it to Dumbledore. It seems too simple for them.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's kind of- Everything has to be
1: like- Ceremonial and dramatic. It's and really pleasing. The Dark Lord.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. So Ron kind of croaks Hermione's name, which oh my is very God. He's like, sweet.
1: Hermione.
0: It's so sweet. It's like the only thing he said.
1: I know because he hears her voice.
0: I can't. I fucking can't.
1: Big ass Hagrid shows up. Oh, gets Hagrid. mud all over the place.
0: Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Hermione, shortly after Hagrid arrives, Hermione has another kind of great piece of input she's not speaking much but when she does speak up she's classic sharp as attack Hermione and she says yeah okay one of someone brings up the connection between the Quidditch team like maybe someone's trying to wipe out your Quidditch team which haha yeah okay Hermione's like no but there is a connection here like both of these were meant to be fatal and they weren't and both of these seem like they were not they ended up not with the intended target yeah She makes the point that that's extra scary because it seems like whoever's behind this does not care about collateral damage along the way.
1: This is like a drive-by shooting. Yes. And fuck it if somebody else gets shot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley show up. And they're super thankful to HP. They're like, oh, (sighs) once again, you saved our son.
0: This is such a sweet moment. I I love what Arthur says. He says, well, all I can say is that it was a lucky day for the Weasleys when Ron decided to sit in your compartment on the Hogwarts Express. Because they're saying, you saved Ginny, you saved Arthur, now you've saved Ron. With Ginny, they're talking about back in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. With Arthur, it's always funny when... And beautiful to me when the Weasleys remind him of that, because Harry felt so guilty. He felt like he was somehow responsible for what happened to Arthur. And they're like, no, kid, because of you, Arthur didn't die on the floor of the ministry.
1: Yeah, after getting bitten by a
0: snick. By a snick. Oh, no, it's a snick.
1: So Hagrid says that he's been out in the woods taking care of Aragog. Mm -hmm. Aragog's not doing great. No. He's really old. He's... You know,
0: he broke a hip. It's too too bad, really. Yeah. So sad. And
1: Hagrid's like, oh, well, they'll probably close Hogwarts now. You've got another student hurt. You got this Katie Bell situation. People know when you send young wizards and witches to this school, there's a chance they're going to get killed. They'll right. probably just shut the whole damn place down. Like, damn Debbie Downer. I know. Holy crap.
0: What the F, Hagrid?
1: And then, you know, Hagrid with his. Loose lips I can't He's like no wonder Dumbledore is angry with Nah I shouldn't have told you that
0: Hagrid Loose lips Sink ships Yeah
1: So Dumbledore is angry with Snape They're like wait 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 Hold up Hagrid says that he was like coming out of the woods or something And he overheard this argument between Dumbledore and Snapey
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: And Snape was saying that Dumbledore takes too much for granted Whatever that means Mm Mm-hmm Snape doesn't quote unquote want to do it anymore, right? And Dumbledore is telling Snape, "You need to investigate the Slytherin house." Hmm. What else you got from that argument?
0: Really, the only other thing I have out of that argument that I have underlined is the line Dumbledore told him flat out he'd agreed to do it, and that was all there was to it. It's like, what do you think this is about?
1: I don't know. For the first time, like, well, not for the first time, but really in these two chapters, I don't have a lot of like, oh, this is what this is. I'm just letting it ride out.
0: Okay. Do you feel like it's because you've made, like, a decision to just let it ride out? Or do you feel like proper mystery is being well constructed here?
1: I think it's the, the latter.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I'm trying to kind of cast my mind into an objective place where I don't know how everything plays out. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, really you, you don't know what's happening. It's like, I told you when we started this book, to me, this is probably the best constructed mystery of all of the series in terms of like, what is the end game of this book? What things in this book have been red herrings? What things in this book have been spot on? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's fun. I'm just letting the mystery play out because it's fun. I love it. So they go back to the common room. The kids do. Yeah. And when they walk into the common room, McLagan is there, a.k.a. McLovin. McLovin. And Fucking guy. He's like, hey, man, what's up? So, like, uh, since Ron's out, I guess, like, Ron's in the hospital, like, I can play now, right? I'm going to be on the Quidditch team. You're going to put put me in, coach. That's what he's like. <sighs> I don't like McLagan. He we kind of learn a little bit more about worst. him, and he's kind of the literal worst. He's
0: the literal worst. He's the literary worst. I fucking hate this guy. He's terrible. First of all, how about just a brief, hey, man, so sorry about your buddy being in the hospital?
1: Yeah, if you need me to step up at tomorrow's game, let me know, dude. I'm there right. for you.
0: Even if that's your agenda all along, like— be a little bit less obvious.
1: Instead, Ron almost dies and McLagan's like, I got a golden ticket.
0: I feel like he's literally going, sweet, Ron is in the hospital. Sweet, Ron almost died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a fucking douchebag. Hate this guy.
1: So Harry is still obsessed with Malfoy.
0: Obsessed. Checking the Marauders
1: map, seeing Malfoy just disappear from the Marauders map and then return again. I guess he doesn't have time to do it, but I wish that he could just watch the Marauder's map, follow Malfoy and see where he's disappearing from. Right. Maybe every time it's the trophy room. Right. Maybe every time it's the Great Hall. Maybe every time it's the Slytherin common room. Maybe he's using the dang flu network. Right. Right. Maybe he's in Slughorn's office using the flu network. Maybe he's having an affair with McGonagall. Oh, I don't know.
0: No, I don't like that one. God. I mean, you would that would be a very helpful method for yeah. Harry but I think that you're right I think between classes and quidditch he can't and somewhere in his brain he has to know it's not healthy for him to literally just sit there all day looking at the map Do you
1: know that we have a friend think of one of our funniest friends Oh lord who um he, f- he f- suspected someone at his work of being up to no good He didn't know what but up to no good do you know who I'm talking about I do and he followed his coworker on his lunch break
0: Like a stalker. (laughs) Like he
1: followed him. Like a stalker. And the guy like went to the mall and then he like was at the mall for a while and then he left the mall. He was like acting like a private investigator. Yep. And then he went to like some weird neighborhood he didn't live in and like went to someone's house and then left or whatever. Then he had all these theories about what the guy was up to. (laughs)
0: It's, (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm a curious person myself. Like I get it. I also hate having suspicions. That it's possible to confirm or deny those suspicions and like not having the answers. I hate that feeling. So I get it. I get Harry's obsession with Draco. I get this thing with our friend. But it's also like, hey, buddy. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Like, are you okay? Like, really?
1: Yikes. So McLaggen and Lavender Brown are bugging the shit out of Harry Potter. (sighs) Lavender's like... What's wrong with Ron? Why won't he talk to me? Why is he always with Hermione? What's her fucking deal anyway? What's going on? She's like being a lot.
0: She's like, "Do you think our relationship is serious?" Do you like she's having these deep chats with Harry about like her re- relationship with his that's buddy.
1: awkward. Oh God, yeah. that's And so McLaggen's like,
0: "Quit it, quit it, quit Yeah, 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 quit it, quidditch. quit quidditch, quidditch. Not only is he cuz that's like, listen, Colin Creevy is annoying, but I don't hate him. McLaggen is like, Trying to tell Harry how to do his job. Oh, he's bossy. You hate bossy This is (laughs) so triggering to me. This is like when you are in a production of something and you have a fellow actor giving you notes.
1: This starts to direct everyone?
0: (sighs) Like, I will throttle you.
1: You know what our, our mutual friend Steve, who's directed us both, you know what he always says in that situation.
0: I'll fuck this cat. You just have to hold it down for me.
1: Yeah, I'll fuck this cat. I just need you to hold it down.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very
1: strange, but it it gets a laugh every time. So something that's kind of sad is Lavender says, Ron's asleep every time that I go to visit him. (sighs)
0: This is so sad. Again, I get it. This is awkward. Ron doesn't want to have what is definitely a very difficult conversation with this girl. Especially when he's still recovering, right? Yeah. I got to give him a little bit of grace there. But at the same time, poor Lavender.
1: You got to let this girl know what's going on. You
0: got to let her off the hook, man. It's fine if you're not feeling the relationship. It happens. I think he
1: was feeling it until this like Hermione thing started, and now he's feeling a little weird. This is like classic teenager romance.
0: Right. And I think he was sort of, I don't know that he ever really... Was all that interested in Lavender. I think that she gave him attention and it made him feel like king shit, a fuck mountain. Mm -hmm. And so he rolled with that because he liked that feeling. Again, it's understandable, but it's still shitty.
1: Yeah. It's very Dawson's Creek. (laughs) It's very Dawson's Creek. By the way, we've been watching Dawson's Creek again and Dawson Mm -hmm. is so toxic.
0: Dawson is the worst.
1: God, he's so toxic. He
0: is a horrible, horrible friend, son. He's just a horrible human being to everyone in his life. What a victim all the time. I hate this kid. I want to punch him in the face.
1: So it's time for the Quidditch match. So McLovin can prove his value to everyone. Oh, yeah. And Harry Mm. passes Malfoy. Malfoy has two girls with him. Who look like they don't want to be with him? Which, which is very freaking strange,
0: creepy red yeah. flags. <laughs> and he's like, "Wait, go, Pa,
1: You yeah, better go, snitch!"
0: <laughs> and he goes,
1: "Aren't you the chosen chaser, or something like that?" Like, right. "Oh, aren't you, Mister Quidditch man, Mister Chosen one?"
0: He's like, uh, "You'd better hurry up; they'll be waiting for the chosen captain, the boy who scored, whatever they call you these days." I mean, it's That's pretty, pretty clever.
1: I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry's like. I could follow this dude right now, but I've got to go play Quidditch.
0: He seriously considers it. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we get to the Quidditch match and the Bludger does the quaffle and the loop goes in the hoop and all this stuff and the snitch flips around and everything. But Luna is announcing (laughs) this is the
0: funniest thing in the whole chapter. I love her so much. She's like, she's like, I don't know how this game works. She's very tangential. She is like um, stream of consciousness. Speaking, yeah. you're like, just whatever pops in her head. She's like, and that's Smith of Hufflepuff with the Quaffle. He did the commentary last time, of course. And Ginny Weasley flew into him, I think probably on purpose. It looked like it. Smith has been quite rude about Gryffindor. I expect he regrets that now he's playing them. Oh, look, he's lost the Quaffle. Ginny took it from him. I do like her. She's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Oh, And then
1: this chapter takes a, a weird turn that, like, I unexpectedly, I went, wait, what? I had to go back and read. Yeah. Harry just gets whacked with a bludger. Mm-hmm. And cracks his dome and ends up in the hospital wing.
0: Because of fucking McLovin. Well,
1: McLovin whacks the bludger and he sort of mishits it like a foul ball. Which. And it comes back and hits Harry. And I'm like,
0: did he do that on purpose? I don't know. I mean, McLovin, A, he's playing keeper. He has no business having a beater's bat. Hitting a bludger anywhere. He's trying to show one of the beaters the right way to do it. He is the worst type of sports person. You know, he's a show off. He thinks he's a know it all. I hate this guy. And because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, he hits a bludger and it cracks Harry's skull.
1: And Harry winds up in hospital.
0: In hospital. Yes. And Ron's like, hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, welcome, welcome to uh, the Madame Pomfrey Inn Madame Pomfrey, still a legend, happy to see her
1: So even though we're at the end of the chapter, this is where we finally get elf tales Yeah, yeah Harry decides, I know who can spy on Malfoy Uh Uh-huh I've got a house elf as a slave So he summons Creature, he's like, yo Creature And that's how you summon a, a house elf Yeah And Creature shows up, but so does Dobby, and they're, like, fighting each other. (sighs) Oh, my
0: God. Because Dobby wants to be Harry's house-elf. Yeah, and I it almost kind of sounds like Creature was, like, bad-mouthing Harry, like, maybe when he got summoned or something. Yeah,
1: he's like, oh, this dumb son of a bitch, I gotta go see this dumb kid.
0: And Dobby's, like, Harry's hype man. Yeah. Like, keep his name out your mouth! And, like, I mean, they're punching each other. It's Very serious. Dobby ends up knocking like five of Creature's teeth out. Yeah. Because Creature's old, you have to remember. And Dobby's not fucking around, man. Not when it comes to Harry Potter. No. And eventually we get this kind of assignment from Harry to Creature. And Dobby's like, I'll do it too. I will do it too. And if I fail, I will jump off of the clock tower. Harry's like, whoa, man. Okay. No need for that. It's all right. <laughs> like just do your best. That's okay. It's it's all right. So now he's gonna have two tails basically on Malfoy, but he has to close a bunch of loopholes for creature because we know what happens when you don't do that. Yeah. Serious black dies, essentially. He's you like, know? and you
1: can't do this. And you can't do this. Right. And you can't do this.
0: He says, he says, and you're forbidden to tip him off creature or to show him what you're up to or to talk to him at all, or to write him messages, or to contact him in any way. He really covers everything. And, you know, there's this great moment of, like, he sees Creature, like, trying to find a loophole, and he can't. One thing we did skip over that I thought was hilarious, I wanted to see what you thought about it, is Harry, like, his fantasy about Jenny, like, sobbing over his lifeless body. (laughs) And then
1: Ron giving his blessing for them to be together. It says...
0: Harry's imagination zoomed into overdrive, rapidly constructing a scene in which Ginny, weeping over his lifeless form, confessed her feelings of deep attraction to him while Ron gave them his blessing. <laughs> so ridiculous.
1: Total teenage fantasy.
0: The hormones. And that's that's essentially Elf Tales. I can definitely see why you did a second chapter.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of meat in there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just a, it's propelling yes. the story along. Now we move into Lord Voldemort's return. Much meatier. Not
1: return. Lord Voldemort's request. (laughs) Whoa. Hello. I think he's returned. I think we've
0: established that already. That, That happened about the end of book four. Yeah, exactly. The Golden Trio is happily reunited. Hermione's not mad at Ron anymore. Things are back to normal. And Ron's out of the hospital. So that's all very good. We kind of start with this, Hermione casually mentions Ginny and Dean are arguing and here he's like, wait, what about, are they still together? What's going on? Are they going to break up?
1: Are they going to break up? Are they going to break up? (laughs)
0: Hermione's like, why are you so interested? And he drops it. She doesn't miss a thing. No. That girl, she doesn't miss anything. We run into Luna again. She has a scroll for Harry. That's kind of her purpose of approaching them. Another meeting with Dumbledore is coming up. But in the process, she has a very sweet interaction with Ron. And she says, you know, I was I was trying to come visit you, but Madame Pomfrey said you had left. I just want you to remember, like, how terrible Ron has been to Luna up until this point. And she yeah. still is like, this is my friend. I'm loyal to my friends. This Aww. is what I'm going to do. She's too pure. She still calls her
1: Looney Lovegood.
0: I know. She's too pure for this world. Right away in this chapter, we're in Dumbledore's office. It's time for the lesson.
1: So Harry shows up, and Trelawney is basically being asked to leave. It's like she was there, and he's like, I have an appointment. You need to leave. Yeah. HP is here. And she's all kind of upset. (sighs) Um, I want to read this little part, because I thought this was good. Do it. So Trelawney is heard saying, if you will not banish the usurping nag, so be it. So you know she's probably talking about forensic. Yeah. And... Uh, Harry's like, so Professor Trelawney still isn't happy, uh, forensic or forens or whatever name is teaching. Then Harry asked. no said Dumbledore divination is turning out to be much more trouble than I could have foreseen. Never having studied the subject myself,
0: but, I'm um, <laughs>
1: love that joke.
0: <laughs> nice dad joke, Dumbledore. That's like a highbrow dad joke. I mean, Trelawney, I'm sorry. Like, let it go, sis. Just share the position. Get the fuck over it. But Dumbledore says, I can't fire Ferenzi. He can't go back to the centaurs. He wouldn't be safe. He's been banished. I can't fire Trelawney and banish her because she would actually be in a lot of danger. And we learn something that I realize you probably didn't know is that she has no knowledge that she made this prophecy. Right, that
1: she's the one that made the prophecy.
0: Or that even the prophecy was ever made. Because yeah. of the whole existence of a prophecy is sheer rumor in yeah. the bulk of the wizarding world. So she doesn't really have any reason to even think a prophecy exists, much less that she's the one who made oh, it. Oh my god. And so, I think Dumbledore's right. She would be in grave danger, to quote Trelawney herself, grave danger if she was just out in the world. And she would have no no knowledge of her of her predicament.
1: I wonder how many other instructors at Hogwarts are like Ferenc or Trelawney. Mm. They're there because it's the safest place for them because they're under Dumbledore's protection. It's almost like an orphanage for like lost wizard adults.
0: <sighs> I think that's a really cool point. I mean, that's essentially why Slughorn is there. Yeah. That's kind of how Dumbledore talks him into taking back the post is he's like, you really think you're going to be safer out here?
1: It's a hard life." For us.
0: We need a a Hogwarts staff production of Annie. Like, what media. would it be called? Annie. <laughs> 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 like they would just be putting on Annie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That that's end of idea. That's Instead all. Instead of got. Daddy
1: Warbucks. It'd be Daddy Horcrux.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. Uh, so Dumbledore. Pulls the whole, <sighs> I'm not angry with you. I'm just really disappointed. God, he makes Harry feel bad. He was like, he really Oh, so did. you you didn't get the information that I wanted out of Slughorn. And he was like, No, I just sort of asked him and he wouldn't tell me. And he was like, You that that was it? You mm-hmm. could that was the end of your ingenuity. You okay. couldn't think of anything else you could do. You just tried that, he said no, and then you just didn't do what I asked you to do. You just went and lived your life.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's great. It's uncomfy this whole conversation and I do want to talk about this because Harry he didn't not try harder because he didn't think it was important. He tried. He got really shut down. He didn't see any avenues or opportunities to see Slughorn again. Then his friend got poisoned and almost died. Then he got his his skull cracked. Like he's had a lot going on and plus like I feel like this is kind of unfair of Dumbledore because Dumbledore gave him, like, no tips. He just said, you can't use legilimency and you can't use Veritaserum. He didn't give him any kind of, like, he didn't brainstorm with him about how he might be able to get this done. But also Harry blew it. He
1: showed his cards by saying, also hey, that. what are horcruxes? Right. And Slughorn goes, I know Dumbledore put you up to this. Well, that's it. You've completely blown the whole thing. Sure. But I mean, it's- he's such a little sneaky bastard every other time. <laughs> and this time he just took the shortcut route because he's lazy now.
0: I don't think it was out of laziness. Lazy I, boy. I don't think it was out of laziness. I'm going to defend Harry here a little bit because yes, he could have tried harder. But I think that he just was like, I don't know how to go about doing this. So Slughorn really likes me. So maybe if I just ask him. Don't fucking tell me. I think he blew it on purpose. Do you?
1: Yeah. I think he was like, I'm just going to ask Slughorn. Slughorn's going to say no and not tell me.
0: And then I'll tell Dumbledore. I tried. Why would he do that? So he doesn't have to work on it anymore. I do not think, I'm sorry, I don't think we have any evidence that Harry's lazy. Have you ever met a teenager? Right, but I mean, look at this teenager. Look at his obsession with finding out what Draco Malfoy is up to. Look at his dogged determination in all these other past books. This is not like a lazy teenager who wants to sit around and not do anything. But we've never seen him be so lazy with a Dumbledore
1: request before.
0: It, again, though, it wasn't laziness. Life happened, man. Like, he got shut down. Slughorn started actively avoiding him. Ron got poisoned. Then he got a skull cracked.
1: You Quidditch. don't tell Dumbledore you're too busy? Oh, I'm too busy for the most powerful wizard in the land? Okay, uh-uh. yeah. And That's tr- like telling Nikki Two-Tills, I'm too busy to go get your money, I owe
0: you. listen, listen. Listen. I also get Dumbledore's frustration, but I get where Harry is coming from. And I'll tell you what makes me uncomfy about Dumbledore here. This is something I don't like. And this is something I don't like about the whole I'm not angry, I'm disappointed thing, is that what he's doing is he's revoking or removing affection, and he's revoking and removing warmth and shows of caring and empathy as a punishment. Yeah, I don't like that. Hmm. I think that's really manipulative. And I think that's really, really awful to do to a child.
1: Hmm, I kind of liked it.
0: (laughs) I don't fucking like it. I don't like it because what? Now, I mean, granted, Harry's old enough that maybe this wouldn't. But like if he was a little younger, like if this is just how Dumbledore disciplines, it's like, what does that teach a young kid? It teaches a young kid that if I don't get it right all the time, you're not going to love me.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I don't I really know because I'm not a parent, but yeah, I, I can also see how you've got to like play the role sometimes, too. You have I mean, to be like, I cannot believe after I told you to be home at 10 o'clock, you stayed out two hours past when I told you to come out. You can't be like, you know, I love you, dear. Why but not? You know, you stayed out two hours early and I'm a little concerned.
0: Because going to go, I
1: can fucking run all over this. I don't, I, I disagree. grew up with friends who had parents like that, and they got fucking run all over like fools.
0: I'm not saying you don't set boundaries. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't have consequences for actions. I'm not even saying that anything that Dumbledore said, his words were bad. What I don't like is the fact that he says it with a cold detachment.
1: Right, when Harry clearly needs him for warmth and affection.
0: Exactly. Okay. Because all Dumbledore had to say is, I'm really disappointed. I'm really surprised that you didn't take this as seriously. I acknowledge that maybe I didn't do a good enough job of conveying how important this was. I think we can both agree that you also didn't hold up your end of the bargain.
1: Hey, buddy, when I ask you to do something, I need you to take it serious.
0: It's important.
1: Because exactly. I love you and you're my grandson.
0: Because <laughs> I love you. Yeah, exactly. And then he goes
1: into that speech from Into the Wild where he's oh, like, God, I want to adopt you. Please, please no. How Holbrook. <laughs>
0: Sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, Harry is kind of compelled to apologize. I think it's a good apology. I should have taken it more seriously. I didn't. I will do better in the future. My burst. My burst. And then what do you know? Dumbledore is warm to him again because he got what he wanted.
1: Um, Oh, now you're making me feel weird about it.
0: I don't like it. I don't like it.
1: So Dumbledore says, I've got two memories sitting here. Yes. And I've got a little lesson for you. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you how Lord Voldemort left Hogwarts. And I'm like, oh, I want to know this too. Yes. So Tommy, <laughs> when he left Hogwarts, he was brilliant. He could have gotten into Oxford or Cambridge or Princeton or anywhere.
0: Right. He would never go to a muggle university. But, but sure. instead
1: he went to work at Bergen and Berks. Borgan and Bath and Body Boards. <laughs> Right, body board, and so people are kind of like, Oh, like, he like, hey, he was oh. so smart. How could he go do a retail job because people are so fucking classist and judgy about employment? I know. Well, he had asked to remain at Hogwarts as a teacher, mm-hmm. right? A sneaky bastard, Tommy Riddle. God, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> and Dumbledore's like, I'll tell you why I think he wanted to remain at Hogwarts as a teacher. Yeah. one, I think it was his happiest time of his life. He yeah. was happy there. Think about it, he's making good grades. He's got girls who've fallen over him. He's got friends who worship him. He can control people. He can bully people. He Mm -hmm. has power. Now he's out in the real world. He's got to pay bills. He doesn't get a great feast whenever he wants.
0: He's also a real big nerd about magic. Yeah. You know, there's also that. B,
1: Hogwarts is a stronghold of ancient magic. Right. And so he wanted to have access to that magic.
0: Because he's a nerd. Right. And then C... As
1: a teacher, he could have great power and influence over young witches and wizards.
0: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Creepo. Makes me uncomfortable. Like a lot. I do not like it. And he had approached Headmaster Dippet, who was right before Dumbledore as headmaster. And Dippet told him no about being a teacher because he was too young. He was 18. Yeah, That's understandable. Can you imagine mm-hmm. Malfoy as a teacher? Oh, for fuck's sake. What's your homework? I'll be He would be Snape. Right? He would be a terrible mm-hmm. teacher. Just like Snape is a terrible teacher. And guess
1: what position he wanted?
0: hmm Defense against the Dacats.
1: D against the DA.
0: Yeah, that's Dada. what he wanted. Dacats. Dumbledore told Headmaster Dippet at the time, like, don't even keep an appointment with this kid. I don't think that you should. Headmaster Dippet liked Tommy Boy. You know? <laughs> Tommy Boy. Fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> Sorry, I love that movie. He liked Tommy Boy Riddle he was very like impressed with him and we have every reason to believe that truly the only reason he didn't give him that job was his age it's not because he didn't think he was smart enough like it's not because he didn't trust him i think that headmaster dippet was probably like damn if you were 5 years older yeah but how it's not good optics for me to like have an 18 year old professor
1: did you go to school with anyone who you thought how is this person allowed To come here every day. sure. But the parents and teachers are just sort of oblivious to who this person is.
0: Or sometimes they even love that teacher.
1: Oh, that was my school all the way.
0: And you're like, what?
1: My school, it was clearly based on socioeconomics.
0: Oh, sure. So,
1: like, if you were one of the richer, preppier kids, Mm -hmm. you could be selling LSD and raping girls at keg parties. It didn't matter. You were king shit of whatever. Yeah. But if you had on... If you had blue hair as a girl and a Led Zeppelin shirt, you were a piece of shit and they didn't care what you did. They didn't that care about your awful. grades or anything. That is awful. I know I, I run my school down a lot, but also, fuck that place. <laughs> I'm not waving that banner.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> so, so fantastic. Okay. So we have two memories here. Yeah, we jump into the first one. Yeah. And it's hokey. And I don't know if in the UK, hokey means what it means. <laughs> I was here. wondering the same thing. Hokey is just like corny, cheesy. cheesy.
0: Yeah. Just hokey. Saved I mean, by the Bells, hokey. Hokey. Something that's like dated and like, um. what's the show? Howdy. What's that show? Hee Heehaw is hokey AF. But He-haw it's like deliberately yeah, hokey.
1: It's delightful too. Sometimes
0: things are deliberately hokey.
1: I'm a piggin' and I'm a grinning.
0: Like Dolly Parton, deliberately hokey. Yeah. Like, brilliantly done. Yes.
1: The queen of Hoke. She is.
0: Yes. She really is. So, how do you say this name? Hepzibah?
1: Hepzibah. Hepzibah. It's a very biblical name. So, Hoki was a female house elf. Yes. And she served Hepzibah Smith. Yes. Who was a Ritz witch. Yes. A Ritz witch. She was a rich witch. She kind of, like, was gaudy and looked horrible, but she dressed up. You know who I get playing her? Who? Is, um... Who's the ballet teacher from Gilmore Girls? Miss Patty? Miss Patty. The teacher who played Miss Patty, I could see Hepzibah Smith being played by her. Oh,
0: my God. Yes. That's perfect.
1: Voldemort at the time is working for Bed Bath & Beyond. (sighs) And one thing that he's skilled at is being like a picker. He's acquiring... Pieces for this antique shop that they can sell, and why and is he so good at this? Because I think he's like threatens people and uses dark magic on them and stuff.
0: I think he's charming
1: as fuck. Well, and he's also handsome, and mm-hmm. he's like he pulls that Mike Rowe shit from American Pickers. Uh huh. You know? He's uh-huh. like, oh man,
0: yeah. You like
1: Seven Up? That was my favorite as a kid. Oh man, I love Seven Up. Wow, did you grow up around here? Yes. Yeah. How much, I'll give you seventy bucks for it.
0: It's the gift of gab, man. Yeah. Like it's very important. And you know
1: who's good at this, my friend Dave.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But not in an evil way.
1: No, Dave just pull up in front of of somebody's house and be like, what you want for the Chevy over there? Oh, it's not for sale. He'd drive away in that bitch an hour later. I
0: know. Oh, come on. Everything's for sale. You know. So Voldemort shows
1: up to Hepzibus and is like, hey, I know you've got this goblin armor.
0: Yeah.
1: I know you said you didn't want to sell it in the past, but you know, I'm willing to make you a pretty decent offer on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Hepzibah, I don't know why I guess this is just something that people do I mean, hell, I do this with collectibles and stuff She's like, oh, I've got two pieces Now they're not for sale Yeah. But you appreciate the finer things In the collecting world, and you the antique world You this. will die Yeah. So she gets old hokey pants To come bring out two boxes mm-hmm. The first is a little box Opens it up, and it's this double-handled mug Like yeah. a sippy cup <laughs> yeah. And it is Um What's her name? Helga Heidi. Helga Hufflepuff.
0: Helga Heidi Hufflepuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Helga Hufflepuff, who was one of the four house originators where we get the Hufflepuff name from. Yeah. It was a mug that belonged to her. Yeah. That's significant. That's, that's, a big that's deal. old school. It was passed down through her family. Yeah. You know, this is kind of like that uh that necklace in the Morphins family. Like, oh, this or that that ring. Right. This is passed down from the OG house people from 100 years ago.
0: And the necklace from the Morphin family.
1: Yeah. Second thing she pulls out is this Slytherin locket. And she can see, or we can see in Voldemort's eyes, he's like, my precious.
0: You do realize this is the necklace from the Morphin family. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say, speaking of that necklace, right. <laughs> that's the other thing.
1: So yeah. it's this Slytherin locket. She said she actually bought it from Borgin and Burks. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I bet he wish he had it back. Right. He bought it back when it was cheap and maybe Borgen didn't know what he had or something.
0: Either that or just like any kind of collectibles over time, they gain in value. And I would imagine that the Wizarding World is no different than ours in the sense that the market for certain types of collectibles ebbs and flows. Right. And so maybe there's like a really hot time for like Hogwarts founder memorabilia you know, or
1: something like that. That's another thing. Dave's like, oh, Tiki's really hot right now.
0: So-and-so is really hot right now. Sure. Yeah. But you brought up, you said something really interesting. You said you're not sure why she showed this to Tom. And I think like we're dropped in sort of in the middle of this, but there's definitely an implication that Tom has been very methodically building – A rapport, a flirtation with Hepsibah. He brings her flowers. He kisses her hand. Like he has, over time, constructed this really, really brilliantly woven relationship between them where he's dropped just enough interest in just the right things for her to feel A, that she trusts him and B, Excited to show him all of her treasures. And he's
1: dropped some dough there. He's broken the Absolutely. ice. he got a relationship now.
0: Yes, but he is so manipulative.
1: Well, guess what? Hepzibah dies two days later. Yep. And Hokey is blamed. Mm-hmm. And it's the same old memory trick that we've exactly. seen before. Exactly. Where Hokey's like, I do remember putting something in her tea that wasn't sugar. I
0: thought it was sugar. But it wasn't sugar.
1: So Voldemort killed this lady. Yeah. For all we know, his third victim now. His right. Fir- third murder victim, as far as we know. Exactly. And got it blamed on somebody else, mm-hmm. per use.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Why do you think that the false memory that he planted in Hokie was this accidental thing? Why not plant a memory that she hated Hepsibah and wanted to murder her? I don't know. Because it's almost, I think at first glance, it's almost like a charitable thing he does for this house elf, which is not on brand. Listen,
1: she didn't mean to. Right. But I think she was responsible.
0: But I think the reason he planted that memory is because he knew that was not going to be investigated very far. This house elf is super old. This house elf would easily make this mistake. Yeah. If it had been a I hated my mistress and I killed her, they'd be like, that's funny. There's absolutely no indication that this was true. Yeah, it's more start digging. Exactly. He knows what the fuck he's doing.
1: And that made me think, well, damn, maybe Voldemort does poison people. Shit. You know, like I mean, makes you think back to Slug and Ron and this whole situation. It's
0: kind of interesting that those two things are really close together in the narrative. <laughs> and know? then right after,
1: Riddle disappears from Bed Bath & Beyond. He doesn't work there anymore.
0: He resigns. Just
1: dips out. And
0: Hepzibah's family, after her death, mysteriously, her two most prized possessions are nowhere to be found. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. The
1: locket and the double-handled sippy cup.
0: Yep. And he didn't wipe her out because then the family would immediately know something shitty had gone down, <laughs> You're right? about
1: to say he didn't wipe her ass. So I was like, what? He
0: also didn't wipe her ass, as <laughs> far as we know. I hope not. God. But he didn't, like, rob her blind. Let's say that. Because then the family arrives at her house and they're like, oh, shit. Well, someone stole a bunch of stuff. This is like, if someone's going to steal out of your purse, they're not going to steal your purse. They're not going to steal your wallet. They're going to go in your wallet steal the stuff they want, and put the wallet right back where it was because it's probably going to take you a while to realize that anything's missing. Right. So Hepzibah hides shit. She's got a lot of little hidey holes. It takes the family forever to even connect any dots that these two things are missing. Right. He's so brilliant. Dumbledore does emphasize the trophy thing again.
1: Right. And we've been told that he loves trophies. He loves to collect yeah. things. Exactly. So then we jump into Dumbledore's second memory. Mm -hmm. He pours that in the thing. Mm -hmm. And this takes place 10 years later. Yeah. And this is a meeting between Dumbledore and Voldemort. Yeah. And this is Voldemort telling Dumbledore that he wants to teach. Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, man, I have pushed the boundaries of magic. I am on some next level shit. Yeah. And Dumbledore sort of brings up the whole Death Eaters thing. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you're. Your friends, quote unquote, death eaters as you and they call themselves. He's like, oh shit, you know, I didn't know. He's like, you knew that.
0: That kind of worries me, buddy. You think? This whole conversation is basically a very polite power struggle and a Dumbledore flex. It's got a lot of the same energy as the chapter, The Only One He Ever Feared, which is the big duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore at the end of the last book. It is a fascinating conversation. But to begin with, Voldemort, Tom Riddle, whatever we want to call him, he looks very different in this memory than he did 10 years ago. His
1: face is starting to change. He's starting to look like a
0: snake. He is. It says, his features were not those Harry had seen emerge from the Great Stone Cauldron almost two years before. They were not as snake-like. The eyes were not yet scarlet. The face not yet mask-like. And yet he was no longer handsome Tom Riddle. It was as though his features had been burned and blurred. They were waxy and oddly distorted. And the whites of the eyes now had a permanently bloody look, though the pupils were not yet the slits that Harry knew they would become. And this guy, like, comes in wanting a teaching job, like, looking like this. Wow, dude. Did you really think you were going to be successful?
1: I really love towards the end of the chapter, Dumbledore says to him, let us speak openly. Why have you come here tonight surrounded by henchmen to request a job we both know you do not want? Right. That's interesting.
0: It's really interesting. Here are my very few bullet points from this conversation, because I feel like it's pretty face value. Dumbledore has such a good read on this guy that he can exploit his weaknesses so well. Voldemort's weaknesses are basically the things that make him so emotional that he drops his charm. He can't use his charm. So basically the things that trigger him, right? One of those things is Dumbledore insists on calling him Tom. He's like, I don't go by Tom anymore. He's like, ah, but you'll always be Tom to me. So Tom, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he does this because you remember in the orphanage, Tom was like, he said something about how ordinary his name was. He hated how ordinary his name was. So he insists on calling him Tom. So he emphasizes this ordinary name, and he also immediately lumps him in as just one of his former students. Ah, uh, but to teachers, you always think of your former students as—I mean, he makes him—he makes him ordinary, which yeah, is which he cannot stand his nightmare, right? So Dumbledore takes the control over this conversation right away, and like Tom tries. He keeps trying to kind of be the powerful one in the room, and he's failing every time. I am surprised he accepted the wine from Dumbledore.
1: Yeah, I think he, well, yeah, I was a little surprised at that, too. But I think that he knows Dumbledore wouldn't, like, kill him at that point.
0: Well, even if he just slipped him, like, Veritas serum, like, there are a lot of things you can put in someone's wine that are not going to be advantageous for you. Voldemort's
1: pretty powerful, too. Maybe he could sense a charm or something. I don't he know. could maybe
0: sense it, or is it maybe that he is so cocky and thinks he is so much better than everyone there else? There you go. That he, it completely guards him from paranoia because he does not imagine that anyone would be cleverer than him.
1: And Dumbledore constantly reminds us, it's like what he says to Harry about how to get to Slughorn. hmm He constantly reminds us that human frailty and ego And this type of thing, that's your way in to manipulate people. Absolutely. But I think what it serves as in the literary purpose is it serves to remind us this lesson is about us. It's about humans. It's about humanity.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, Tom says, I want to teach. Dumbledore's like, that's adorable. No, thank you. (laughs) And... Kind of drops in this info, but I know what you've been up to. I know your friends are calling themselves the Death Eaters. He does this all under the guise of polite conversation, but it's pretty biting. And there's a really interesting exchange about love here, too, because he says it's almost like he's trying one more time to just appeal.
1: Oh, I love this. I'm glad that you brought this up.
0: Yeah, he says, certainly, said Voldemort, and his eyes seem to burn red. I have experimented. I have pushed the boundaries of magic further, perhaps, than they have ever been pushed. Of some kinds of magic, Dumbledore corrected him quietly. Of some. Of others, you remain, forgive me, woefully ignorant. For the first time, Voldemort smiled. It was a taut leer, an evil thing, more threatening than a look of rage. The old argument, he said softly. But nothing I have seen in the world has supported your famous pronouncements that love is more powerful than my kind of magic, Dumbledore. Perhaps you've been looking in the wrong places, suggested Dumbledore, which of course immediately. Looking for love in, in all, all the, the wrong, wrong place. places.
1: Walking for love. Walking
0: for love. But yeah, it's that's an important point. Yeah. That's the, the crux of what is the difference between the two of these men. You know, they're both powerful, they're both smart. This is the difference between them.
1: And what Voldemort underestimates about that power of love. Yeah. That's why when he tried to kill Harry, That's why it went back on him.
0: Exactly. And
1: Harry lived. That's why he's the boy who lived. Yep. But that bond between him and his mom is what makes Harry so powerful. Yeah. That love bond is so strong that Harry had to live with Aunt freaking Petunia. Exactly. And Voldemort doesn't believe in love because he's a bastard. And this sounds like so many people today. They're fuck your lovey lovey. Bullshit love is love. Hippie hippie every dippy dippy thing. It's better to just be fucking mad all the time. Right. It's more effective to be
0: mad all the time.
1: Oh, really? Oh, you love your neighbor? Well, good luck with that.
0: It's better to dominate other people instead of cooperate with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Do those people seem happy? No.
1: No. People who punish other people because of their own personal tragedy are not happy.
0: No. But yeah, like you said, Dumbledore basically says, let's talk about why you're really here. And Tom doesn't bite. He doesn't give him anything. He leaves. He's like, Well, if you're not gonna hire me, we're done here. We've got nothing more to talk about. And when they exit the memory, Harry asks them, like, okay, so do you know like what he was surely he didn't actually want to be a teacher so badly. Like, okay, what was he really up to? And Dumbledore said, Dumbledore says, I have ideas, but nothing more. Yeah. And then like you read at the top, that is you know, Harry kind of says, what makes you say it was the DADA position? Is that what he was after again? Yeah. Double was like, Oh yeah. Cause he fucking cursed it. Right. Like the bastard. <laughs> and those are our two chapters. Pretty eventful. Wowzers. Wowzers. So then if those are our two chapters, Please do. Please immediately do. Tell me what your prophecy is.
1: I think Voldemort wants, he wanted to get back into Hogwarts. I think he still wants back into Hogwarts Mm. because he needs some trinkets.
0: Oh, you think he's still seeking trophies and trinkets? He's on the
1: trinket hut. He's him and Frank. He's Mike (laughs) and Frank. It's him and Mike and Frank. They pull up in the white American pickers van. You know, Frank is like, you got any oil cans? And Mike's like, that's a killer Indian motorcycle jacket. That that's a really good killer.
0: That's a really good Mike impression. You called him Mike Rowe earlier, but the, isn't yeah, that not the li- That's the Fuck, other guy. Fuck that guy. Stand yeah, Mike Rowe. Fuck that guy. God, who? What's his actual? What's the American Pickers last name? I don't remember. Mike, the tall one.
1: Everybody wants to go to college. College bullshit. You need to learn a trade. Be a man. Americans are lazy. I hang out with white supremacists.
0: Yeah. Fuck Mike Rowe. He's been on... What's that fucker's podcast that... Tucker Carlson? Not... Has he been on Tucker Carlson? Jesus Christ. Ew. But he's been on the other one. What's the... It's like the... It's a gateway to hardcore conservative oh, Joe bullshit. Rogan, Joe Rogan. Yes. Yeah, that one. He's been on that podcast many, 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 many. Everybody's
1: many times. been on Joe Rogan. Everybody in the world. But he has said
0: some very problematic things on that show. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. That's that's a really that's a good prophecy. I mean, if anywhere is going to have trinkets, Hogwarts is going to have some. Damn I would be trinkets. like, "Do
1: you guys have any vintage Ninja Turtle toys in Hogwarts <laughs> or Ghostbusters or He-Man?"
0: I mean, presumably, if you, like, were in enough need and you were, like, pure of heart, you could do the little walk in front of the Room of Requirement and be like, I need Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: (laughs) I need more Disney pins.
0: You would open it up and it would just be every Disney pin ever made.
1: Oh, my God. I would just swim around in them. Ouch.
0: But can you, like, remove them from the Room of Requirement? I don't know. No. I don't know if you can.
1: No. No. Forgot to tell the listeners that we revisited the restaurant that caused the Hardy's room of requirement, but we, we survived. We made it home okay. We didn't did. have to stop
0: at a Hardy's. Right, right. I, I love how you're saying we. I've never had a Hardy's of requirement <laughs> experience. That was all you, buddy. I'm I was always fine. So yeah, we yeah. didn't have to. I mean, visit by the any. time
1: I got home, it was the prairie dog companion, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
0: <Ew>. <laughs> you're
1: so gross. Welcome to back Lake Wobbegon, the prairie dog companion. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: What is your, oh no, Tom Riddle has really gotten super evil, Hedwig's Digital Get Down hoot? (gasps) That's perfect. Our Hedwig's Digital Get Down is not a question so much as it's a really, really sweet email that we received from someone that we've never heard from before And I actually did get a response in time before we recorded this segment that it's totally fine to use her name. So let's use her first name. Yeah. And this, so this was from Dana. And we got this email when we were out of town in Charlotte to see the Immersive Van Gogh exhibit. And it was so nice to receive it. And it was just, it's so lovely. So I'm just going to read it. Hi, Kevin and Amanda. I've been meaning to send this for a while now, but I'm finally getting around to it. I found the podcast when you were already on Prisoner of Azkaban and loved binging episodes to get caught up. You've made me laugh and cry, and it's been awesome. I love the concept of one party who has read or watched something and the other party is somehow unspoiled or mostly. It's a really interesting way to see a beloved series in a new light. And hearing the unspoiled's predictions is one of the best things about these types of podcasts. I'm actually subscribed to several of these types of podcasts, not all about Harry Potter. So hearing Kevin's predictions, whether dead on or way off, is very entertaining. I'd love to hear more informal predictions as you discuss the events of the chapters. But what sets your podcast apart is the way you bring so much positivity and thoughtfulness to something that a lot of people, at least people that I know, dismiss as trivial children's books— As you talk about every week, there's so much more to the series that is applicable to our lives and relationships. I really appreciate the humor and uplifting marriage lessons in every episode, and I'm always impressed with Kevin's creativity in coming up with personalized Marauder shout-outs, especially when he came up with what spell they might invent and what effect the spell would have. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, on your recommendation, I found a sample size, to make sure I really like it first, of the Joe Malone Myrrh and Tonka fragrance, and really enjoyed the new scent. I loved hearing about your scent journey and I'm always on the lookout for new scents and perfumes. Thank you for your efforts in creating the podcast. I'm sure it's a lot of work, but you have lots of fans who really appreciate it and look forward to hearing you every week.
1: Wow, that's sweet. Thanks,
0: Dana. Isn't that great? What I said back to Dana is just like so much of that was so validating. (laughs) You
1: know. It's why we keep doing it.
0: It's why we do it. And I think a huge priority for us has been to be respectful of the many fans of this series. I'm one of them myself and have been since we started the show. And there are a shocking number of podcasts about Harry Potter specifically, and I'm sure about a lot of other intellectual properties that the fans of feel the same way, that are really dismissive and mocking, you know, about this thing that people really like. And I just think that that's so rude for people to do that. So- the fact that that's translating and coming across something that has been so important to us in making the show is really special. So yeah, thank you, Dana. I'm so glad you tried the Joe Malone, the myrrh and tonka. It's just such a beautiful scent. Love it. Oh my God. It's so good. And we'll keep you appraised of our continuing scent journey. And thank you so much. We love getting emails like that. I am up first with marriage lessons. Whoa, I hope it's a lovey one. It is. It is. I love this one. My marriage lesson comes from Arthur's comment to Harry about, well, it was a lucky day when Ron joined you in the train compartment. Yeah. You know, it could maybe play into his son's triggering, you know, sort of like I'm always in my best friend shadow thing. But still, the sentiment's right. really nice. Yeah. Um, and... My marriage lesson is this, take joy in the coincidences, magic, et cetera, that led you to the exact place you're in. I love the idea of like the, that kind of butterfly effect thing, right? Where it's like, if this hadn't happened exactly this way, then the things about my life that I really love would not be there. Yeah, Yeah, there may be challenges that I also wouldn't have as well, but to me, it's always outweighed by the good stuff. I like it. Thank you.
1: This is like when you look at your life and you're like, man, I wish I would have done this. I would have done that. And you think, but then I wouldn't know this person or this person. Exactly. "Ah, I need to accept my life.
0: Yeah. So I think it's just like really enjoying those little pieces of magic or coincidences or serendipity or whatever you want to call it. Just being mindful of them and enjoying them. What's your marriage lesson? So my marriage lesson comes from
1: a lot of what's going on right now in the story, but especially in these two chapters, is people not clearly communicating with each other and Mm -hmm. forcing the other person into speculation. Mm. And this is something that I think everyone's guilty of that's in any type of relationship, which is making the other person read your mind. Yeah, And it is like non-communication is not good for love. Right. Communication is what it's all about. So- Ron needs to tell Lavender how he feels about her. Yeah. Hermione needs to tell Ron how she feels about him. Yeah. Harry needs to tell Jenny how he feels about her. Yeah. Dumbledore needs to just tell Harry what the hell's going on. Yeah. There's just a lot of this type of stuff.
0: Yeah. And
1: it just leads to more chaos and more confusion. So yeah. if you get the urge to sort of passively aggressively communicate, half communicate to your partner what you want, and they don't pick up on it, you can't really get your feelings hurt because you could have just communicated. And something that we work on and we've gotten a lot better at.
0: Yeah. So it almost sounds like when you feel yourself falling into a passive aggressive communication style, take a second, rewind, and get to the honest message and say that instead. I like that. I think that's really good because we can't like expect our, we can't expect to fix all of our own bad habits overnight, but what we can do is start paying more attention to when we're doing it and taking that as a cue to correct it in that moment.
1: I like that analysis. And
0: build new habits. Very good. We love love. We love love. Love is the best, man. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's <laughs> it's uh, time to roll the credits. Are you ready? Yeah,
1: I've heard of those.
0: Yeah. The episode will be right back. First, I wanted to take a second and tell you more about connecting with us and supporting the show. Following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is the best way to stay updated on our upcoming chapters for the week, special events and announcements, recaps of the prophecy and marriage lessons from the latest episode, and more. You can find us on Instagram at the Fox and the Foxhound on Twitter. Fox and Foxhound, know these, and at Facebook.com slash The Fox and the Foxhound. If you'd like to chat with us and with other listeners, or Foxies as they've been christened, join us on Discord. Just head to our website, TheFoxandTheFoxhound.com, and click the Join Us on Discord button right there on the home screen. We're getting ready to give our Marauder patron shout outs for the week, and you too could join that list. This show is funded solely by our patrons. Thank you, patrons! So if you like what we do and want to help us continue to do it, Patreon is the most direct way to show your support. Membership levels range from $1 to $20 a month and come with great benefits, including early episode release, exclusive patrons-only Discord channels, and even digital art, which is new this season. Check it out at patreon.com slash thefoxandthefoxhound. Finally, we want to thank two special people, Judson Hurd, who composed the original theme for our show. You can find out more about Judson and his music at judsonhurd.com, J-U-D-S-O-N-H-U-R-D.com. And our manager of mischief, dungeon master, and brother from another mother, Josh Bailey. Be sure to check out Josh's ongoing D&D campaign, Casting Roles, on YouTube and Twitch. Okay, let's get back to the episode. All right. It's time for winners and losers. Are you excited? Yes. Who is your winner?
1: Albus Alfred Peter McMillan Dumbledore. <laughs> Why? Because I like that Dumbledore is sticking to the plan with these lessons with Harry.
0: And being emotionally absent. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's valid. That's very valid. My winner. I'm giving it to Luna. I'm giving it to Luna because she continues to be as unaffected as possible by taunts. And I mean, she kind of implies that people have been really bullying her over her commentator bit and for being so loyal of a friend to Ron, even though he's been really crummy to her. That is good. Up until That's this a great point. winner. Yeah, I think she's awesome. All right. Who's your loser? Harry Potter. Oh, why?
1: Because I don't think he did due diligence with the mission that Dumbledore sent him on. Mm-hmm. And I just think that he's a little lost right now. He's okay. not. He's he's become unfocused on the mission.
0: OK. All right. That's fair. That's fair. My loser, and I want to preface this by saying this is sort of like with Order of the Phoenix, where if we give it to the obvious choice every single week, which would be like Tom Riddle or Voldemort, you know, for like murdering Hepsibah, like we'll literally never have another loser. So that's just like he's the implied loser all the time. But my loser for these two chapters is... Cormac McLaggen. Oh, God. Why didn't I pick him for my loser? God, McLaggen's the fucking worst. Bossy-ass McLovin. Stay in your lane, bro. Like, don't tell other people how to do their jobs. Don't... Just... Just do better. Like, he's the worst. And don't crack Harry's skull open. And maybe don't crack Harry's skull open, you fucking idiot. It's time for Patronus Moments. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to go first this time. Okay, so I have two Patronus
1: Moments. Okay. One sort of classic what we talk about and one where I think I might have actually conjured my Patronus.
0: Yes. Talk about it.
1: Okay, so the first one is... Um, last night we went to a 4th of July party and you and I rode our bikes down there and we haven't rode our bikes together in a while. And I really enjoyed riding bikes with you and you could smell all the different grills going off. Like our neighborhood, at least for right now, the period that we live in right now is very sort of like Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Uh, It's like. Kids play in the playground and neighbors let each other borrow stuff. Yeah. And people are in the streets a lot and everyone was having parties and everyone was doing fireworks and just uh, riding bikes with my wife and being so happy. That was my Patronus moment. Yeah. Uh, And then my second kind of weird Patronus moment was I was home for lunch and so were you. So I got to see you. And Mm -hmm. then I was going back and I had all this stuff on my mind that you and I have been talking about. And I was riding around the lake and I was saying out loud, like, I am going to need some backup, Lord, <laughs> you know, to God, the universe, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm going to need a little strength. I'm going to need a little something. I'm saying this out loud. Yeah. And then, boom, this deer walks in front of my car. Yeah. Now, this is a lake that's like, the lake's very old. It was converted from an old mill pond in the 1700s. It's a recreational lake. You can't swim in it, but you can do paddle boats. You can ride bicycles. You can fish and stuff, but it's an urban green space. Yeah. Like it's not a, a state park or something. It's like a little oasis in the middle of a city.
0: Yeah. So is
1: it unusual to see a deer there? Like deer exists, but like it's a very urban place for a deer to go. Yeah. And he was just in the road looking at me and I always I hit the damn thing and I stopped and was like, what the hell? And then he walked up on the grass and turned around and looked at me, and oh I got a God. picture of it. And I started driving. And he started running beside my truck. And then he bolted in front of me again, made me stop again, and then crossed over to, like, the lake side, which is really weird because there's no woods or anything him to hide. And he was just standing on the sidewalk looking kind of freaked out. And he looked at me again like, what's up, bro? And then he walked down to the water.
0: It's unbelievable. And it was weird.
1: I was like, wow. I was like calling on the universe, like verbally out loud. And then this deer was like, hello, my son. I'm your Patronis.
0: Was this a stag or a doe? It was a doe.
1: It I'm not a the doe. chosen one. Okay.
0: <laughs> I just, I really, all I'm going to say is this. I really want you, I don't think you'll ever forget this moment, but I really don't want you to forget this moment. Okay. As we continue in this series. Sweet. Okay. It's, I just thought that was so beautiful. And then the only reason I'm not sounding surprised is because you told me this. You called me yeah. as you were, you were like, I need to tell you something. <laughs> like, I just had an experience. <laughs> beautiful. So my Patronus moment is sort of in the same vein as your first one. It was just kind of like the whole day yesterday, seeing a lot of friends riding bikes with you. It was the 4th of July, which, you know, I'm, I'm not like a heat summer gal. So 4th of July is never like one of my favorite holidays, but I do love like grill smells and I don't love fireworks. I think they're really dumb, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And I had brunch with a couple of friends, and then we had this cookout that we went to in the evening, and it was just a nice day. It was a really nice day.
1: And some lovely people and good conversations and lots of good food. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was great. So that's our Patronus moments. Very good. Let's shout out some marauders. So here's your prompt for today. Is it a hard one? No. Okay. I don't think so. So, you know, when Luna comes up to Ron and she's looking for the scroll to give to Harry, she kind of like gives Ron these random things from her bag. Like some of it's like kitty litter and Gertie root and whatever. So yeah, you can keep that. I got plenty of them. What is the random thing that our Marauders would pull out of their bag and have us hold when they're looking for something else in their bag? You're familiar with this because I am forever rooting around in my bag for something. Let's start... With our newest Marauders, Kit and Demi.
1: Um, they're each going to have, uh, one will have a switchblade knife and the other one will have a butterfly knife.
0: Oh, that's And fantastic. they're like, oh, my bad. Yes. It, it's very on brand because they're like really tough and cool. Yes. Yes. How about Larissa Oatman?
1: Uh, pacifier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably legit. Senior Jorgensen, our graduate.
1: A damn diploma.
0: Right? Hello. Amy Sophia Mayer.
1: Who's the guy that we like? Rick Steves' travel <gasps> guide to Slovenia.
0: My God. I fucking love Rick Steves. I don't know that I would give it back.
1: Yes, and um, I'm here with my good friend, Amy, who, and we're in a
0: little town um, outside of Milan. She probably knows Rick Steves. I'm sure. Just She's be honest. personal friends with him. Right. Austin Scroggins.
1: Austin Scroggins has a switchblade comb.
0: Ooh, very
1: outsiders. Yeah.
0: Love it. Hannah Gibb, the Bovaneta.
1: The Boveneta I could see her having some of those puffy stickers from when you're a kid. Those are great. You know, they're like puffy.
0: Yes. Oh, I know exactly the ones you mean. Love those. Lexi Phage.
1: I think Lexi would have one of those classic rubber chickens. <laughs>
0: nice. Nice. <laughs>
1: I think going through her purse. And there's a giant rubber chicken that she pulls out.
0: Those are hilarious. I love those. Michael
1: Terry. Michael has some, one of those weird, uh, he's going to hate me for saying
0: this. Oh my God. One of
1: those weird religious tracks that you find in bathrooms and shit. Oh my God. So my buddy, John, Hey John. And then John like hey John. collects those. You know? Yes. It yes. Says, how hot is hell, and you open it's a little cartoon about how we're all going to hell.
0: Listen, I don't. Because I could
1: see Michael Terry seeing one of those and being like, "Ha, hey, I'm gonna grab this."
0: Yes, like for yes, and I don't see why Michael would be mad. Those things are hilarious. I always grab one. When oh I see yeah, it. same. Pete Collins.
1: Pete, a guitar pick from some famous person,
0: absolutely like Bowie or something. He didn't play guitar, but you know what I mean.
1: Ziggy played, played guitar. guitar.
0: Ben Clark.
1: Ben Clark's going to have a, I don't know if they have this in Australia, but big league chew. Oh,
0: you know, that, I doubt it. Like I think baseball
1: themed bubblegum. Very American. To like replace chewing tobacco.
0: We'll send him some. We'll send you some, Ben.
1: Yeah. Heather Bevels. Oh, God. Something baby related, I'm sure. Um, probably like a bib.
0: Yeah. Or like a little sock. Dean Heath.
1: Dean probably just has one of his kids' toys, just some random car or something.
0: Absolutely. Vicky Gutherless and Rick. They both
1: have a pic- an old picture of each other.
0: Stop it. Oh, I can't. Kara Heller.
1: Kara has those chatter teeth. Those you know, are you wind them up and they chatter and walk across the table.
0: Yeah, like in A Christmas Story when yeah. the teacher opens the drawer. There's like four of them in there. Josh Bailey.
1: Josh has a role play in like a, a 20 die or whatever. 20 sided die. Uh,
0: yeah, what do they call that? Um, yeah, like a and d Yeah. Oh, God, it, like the name of it is escaping me. Okay. Wow.
1: Gaming die. Something
0: like that. Yeah. Sarah Epting. Probably just
1: some dried flower because she picked a flower and threw it in her purse and then it just dried in there.
0: Yes. If you're going to San, San Francisco, Francisco. Beautiful. Mallory Gallagher.
1: Mallory Gallagher has some like really highbrow academic book like a gnome older gnome chomsky paperback or something
0: absolutely jennifer airs
1: she's probably got um an instant coffee one of those little slender packs of instant coffee because it's so cold where she lives oh
0: my god yes daniel marks d marks
1: got an empty dip can
0: naturally Kodiak wintergreen i mean yeah boy Breanne brown don't do it don't do it
1: She's got a ticket stub from Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Okay. All right. Taking her
0: out of Cleveland a little bit. Faith Kenfield.
1: Single feather of a dove. Oh,
0: beautiful. Josh Kennedy.
1: A money clip.
0: As he should. Maeve Richards.
1: A green army man.
0: Yes. Yes, just because. Amber Biggs.
1: Um, one of Henley's little... Like a little Pokemon doll or something.
0: Yeah, I wonder if Henley's into Pokemon or Amber's son. The
1: podcast right now. I
0: know play Pokemon or maybe Amber son plays Pokemon. Somebody does. Yes. Okay.
1: Chris White. Chris White has one of those mechanical pencils.
0: Naturally, yes, or a stethoscope. Yes. I picture him with like a little. Steth- He's like, oh, oh, random lady on the on the tube. Do you want me to to check your blood pressure? And she's
1: like, could you please stop touching my chest? <laughs> <laughs>
0: We would never do that <laughs> Kelly Moore
1: Kelly Moore probably actually does Have really random shit in her bag <laughs> There's really no telling It would be some sort of accessory Okay Oh, I bet it's a sonic screwdriver A Doctor Who's sonic cool.
0: screwdriver Oh, I love it Natalia Ward The Warden
1: The Wadden. <laughs> probably chapstick or lip gloss
0: Yeah I mean, duh. Nick Tillman, Nicky Toot
1: Brass Knuckles.
0: Duh, right?
1: Or Cufflinks. Bada bing. of Cufflinks. Yeah.
0: Melissa Hunter. Melissa Hunter.
1: Soon to be Melissa Fisher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Melissa Gatherer.
1: (laughs) She has an old spearhead.
0: Yes. Just, she carved it herself. Yes. Lindsay Prestige.
1: The Hope Diamond.
0: Just casually sitting there in her purse it's fabulous and samantha tillman
1: she got an extra pair of laces
0: she might need them that's very pragmatic and for our extra shout out today by a lot our smallest patreon tier is the frog choir tier we only have like two people on the frog choir tier so they're like a really special little niche and one of them is our friend brendan carter Brendan Carter. Yes. What would he have in his bag? So
1: I was talking about Brendan Carter yesterday because our buddy was showing me a little film, a little short film that he shot with Brendan Carter. He's like, hey, check this out. I did it on my phone. It took us about four hours. And I said, well, you cast Brendan, so 80% of your job's done.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean... There you go.
1: I would cast him as Annie. He's that good. As Annie. <laughs> as Annie, I'd be like, fuck it. Brendan showed up. Just give him the role. That
0: that would be an interesting casting choice. The man has chops. Yeah.
1: Oh, what would Brendan have? Some old script. Sure. From some play that he was in from four years ago that he just never pulled out of his rehearsal bag.
0: A Samuel French script of some kind. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows the cover. You can see it in your head. Beautifully done. As always, thank you to our marauders, all of our patrons, and to all of you listening. Wow, what fun. What fun.
1: <laughs> wow. So fun. Very podcast. Very fun. Much talk.
0: My God. We're so old that we're still doing doji dog. Isn't I that know. bad? It's uh, just there's
1: kids that like don't even know what that is anymore. Oh
0: God. Oh. Well, that's our that's our episode for this week. We'll be back next week, our next chapter is the unknowable room. What?
1: Say what? This it's, is where Malfoy is. The freaking unknowable room. That little bastard that doesn't <laughs> show up on the Marauder's map. i got my own him now. <laughs> Finally.
0: Okay. He just sits in there and trolls Natalia Ward online all day long. She would see right through that shit. She, honestly, she's probably trolling him. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next week. Keep it foxy.